And we're going. There's some ganache on the Seinhauser. Am I pronouncing that right? Sennheiser. That's top of the line nonsense. Hey, everybody. My name is Matt. And me and my friend Bill, who is cleaning ganache off the Seinheiser, <laughs> we aim to talk at you guys about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Top five movie for me, maybe number one all time. I've seen it more than any other movie I've ever seen, for sure. And we're talking, I want to say, I'm in the 50s, 50-ish, 50 times or so. Glenn Gary, I'm all over it. I used to, no, I'm not 50 years old. I used to put, and there's Bill, by the way. I, Yo! Looks like we have some clean Seinhausers. Sennheiser. I don't know. Hey, Bill, say hi. Hello, everyone. Yes. Thanks for welcoming me to the show, Matt. And you also love Glengarry. We, I do. It's a thing we've, we've bonded over for years now. It's a, yeah, we used to live together, and when we did, we would watch this movie boy, did we. constantly. <laughs> boy, did we. On VHS tape. I remember, yeah, I remember just having it on as I cleaned the house and stuff, like all the time, because it just made me feel so good. And you used to come home, we both did, but yeah. mostly you would come home <laughs> and, you know, and come in the front door, and we had a stairway coming up, and as you were coming up the front the, the stairway, you'd yell, get the chalk, get the chalk, get the chalk. Uh, that's so put bad. me on the Cadillac board. <laughs> and as we all know, first Which, prize. Yeah, that's a line from the movie, by the way. <laughs> if you're Cadillac like, you Eldorado. Second prize. Set of steak, steak knives. knives. Third prize is you're fired. Which is always the prize I'm going for at every job <laughs> that I have the had. the most valued of all three in Oh, my, my God. Yeah. Fire me. Yeah, fire me, too. Put me out of I'm my misery. quitting things and being fired from things. Yes. That is my resume as it I like stands to, right now. Yeah, fi- like a fiery quit. Kind of like, you know, if I quit, I'm quitting in like a blaze of glory. That's right. Yeah, go and out in, in a blaze sort of, of glory. A, yeah, in sort of a, 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 a Dave Moss kind of way. That's right. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck the lot of you. Fuck, fuck you, all. you all. That's right. That's how you want to go out. That's a line top. from, I, in my opinion, and I think Bill's too, one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, and we're going to watch a minute of it at a time and talk to you about it. Yeah, because that's Matt's <laughs> idea. <laughs> and yeah, Bill is skeptical, but uh, he'll see. We, no, it's going to work. It's we did a little dry run. I'll let you in a little behind the scenes. We did a little dry run and uh, we talked for about... Uh, an hour and a half about yeah. the first minute of this movie. So I'm still dry over it. There, <laughs> so there's enough to talk about, in my opinion. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Yeah, it's going to be good. So, so yeah. So we're going to watch this Glengarry. Okay. Give uh, a, more, more, a little more background, I guess. Um, I was in a production of this. Uh, uh, staunch mammoth ophile uh, until recently, I guess. Of course, I'm a, f- a big fan of his early work. I directed three of his plays in college, starred in as many as I could start. I, would, I acted in as many as I could. Um, it's it's really the only theater I wanted to do for years. I just wanted to do mammoth, and if there was a way to do that, I would have done it. Right. But there's no way to just subsist on mammoth plays as an actor. No. It just can't be done. No. Uh, Although he does have his guys, he d- certainly does. None yeah. of whom are in this movie. Really? Which is strange. Pacino is one of his I think guys. Pacino became one of his guys, but that Montagna played the role originally, and Montagna right. is definitely a mammoth guy. Definitely. Uh, and then there's the guy with the fancy cards, 
the guy with the card tricks. Oh, Ricky Jay. Ricky Jay, a yeah, mammoth guy. And also uh, William H. Macy. Bill Macy, definitely a mammoth guy. Uh, um, you got uh, you got your... A um, couple other guys that I can't remember their names. Well, Rebecca right. Pigeon was not a guy. Ma- but a mammoth. Definitely. Wife a, and a, right, lady. But nonetheless. Sure. But I'm talking like the early guys. And also the, his... his for, who was, I think guys. was his former wife too. Of course, was uh, Lindsay Krause. Lindsay Krause, sure. Who was in, in a few of his movies as well? She was in The Verdict, H- and she was in cards. House of Cards. House of Cards, yep. is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. House of Games. House, House of, of Games. Ga- Sorry, House not House of Games. Of yes, House of Cards. House of Games. House of Cards will come up later when we talk about Spacey and about James and Foley, how great he is as Williamson, the director movie. of Glengarry Glen James House. Foley, right. who, uh, you know, no offense to Mr. Foley, but this is clearly the finest thing he's ever done. Yeah, and I think he admitted to that in the in we in were just the, listening to some of the commentary, and the commentary kind of admitted that this was like yeah he was just in the right place at the right the, time. Yeah, that it was kind of a lightning in a bottle situation. Yeah, never to be recreated right. at least on this level of genius. No. Um, yeah, to hats off to James Foley, directed an amazing film. It's completely underappreciated, I think, and we're gonna the Academy of, underappreciated well, it for sure. Yeah, but we'll get to that later, and we're gonna bring out all the genius of each minute as we go through the film, one minute at a time. So you will get to it's kind of like art appreciation class. I, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to do this. <laughs> I really, I, I am giddy. I can't. You I are can't sitting wait. there with a big grin. It's it's my favorite thing to do in the world is watch this movie and talk about it. I think. Uh, it's affected me deeply. It, it affected my choices in life, what I wanted to do with my life. Really? Tell me more about that. Well, ju- just the, the creating this style of drama, you know, like, you know, you know, now I'm a writer. Right. And um, I think a lot of my foundational roots can be traced back to Mamet's work, particularly Glengarry, um, American Buffalo. But uh, all that that sort of Mamet style of like that. You know, it's like that quasi-natural feel, but it's also very regimented. It's not natural at all when you break it down and recreate it. But just that that style of dialogue and that style of drama and tension is what I strove to recreate in almost every creative thing I've done since. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, big, big movie for me. Not as big for you. No, it definitely influenced me the, for sure. The greatness, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell, tell me. About maybe more. For, uh, I I think I appreciate the actors more. I mean, every time I watch this movie, it's like an acting lesson. You know, it, it's like watching. Yeah. No, it truly is. Five or six, if you include Alec Alec Baldwin in the discussion. Great, great actors doing what they do. You know. Yeah. With other great, great actors, you know, <laughs> yeah. just like in great, great parts that they fit perfectly in. I put it up against any cast in movie history. Yeah, it, the casting is phenomenal. Among the finest choice of actors you could you could ever watch. Yeah, and, and, an and you know, and Jack Lemmon is a is a favorite of mine for, for sure. sure. And yeah. this, I, I think this is his greatest finest performance. performance. Yeah. Agreed. He's Agreed. So All good. the things that Jack Lemmon does well, he gets to get into deeper in this movie and he's awesome in other movies and missing is he's heartbreaking and yeah. missing is a great sob movie. every time yeah but this to me is more I, I don't know i just think this is a much more powerful piece of work with by jack lemon he's yeah. just amazing they're all great yeah they are and I, awesome. I and i will put baldwin in that category and not just for this a role created just for this movie not in the original play um and he j- and he it's now the Alec Baldwin part. It's it, it's uh, other people you know may or may not do it ever again, but it's always going to be the Alec Baldwin part. Yeah, and it's, so there's so many quotable lines in his speech it's, that he gives. It's you know, phenomenal. It's like, How it didn't make the play, or d- he didn't think to put it in the play originally, is kind of baffling, because it really does create this environment of oppression, 
and abuse <laughs> right. that they're all working, trying to work out from under. But I do think it, yeah, I think it works better in the movie than it would in the play just because of the way the play is structured in the first, you know, the first act of the play, it's three different scenes with pairs of the restaurant and the, yeah, with sure. pairs of sure, actors sure. talking about stuff. And it, it just, I think you could throw this monologue in the middle of any one of those and it would still be pretty great. Yeah, I guess you could. I, I think it would. Yeah. Or break, I, break it up into three pieces. So it's like, you see it's a scene with two guys a little bit of his and speech, then a little bit a his scene thing. two guys. Yeah. And one of I, his see, speech. it's already good. <laughs> I, I like it better already. <laughs> well, someone will have to do a production of it that way yeah. someday. Yeah, someday. So, uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us to the beginning of this. Well, should we set up what the scene is here at the beginning? So we're looking at the first minute of the film right after the credits roll, and uh, the first thing you see is a is a train go by, subway train, and then. We will see Jack Lemon talking on the telephone, and then Ed Harris comes in and sort of uh, <laughs> sort of interrupts the scene. Ed so. Harris, who has the maybe the greatest entrance and the greatest exit <laughs> uh, in cinematic history, and you know the Dave Moss, the character, is highly sought after exit in American theater. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, um, well, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Stay tuned for the exit of the Dave Moss character. Now. We start with the image of this train, which I hold up as the the thread, if you will, that runs through these guys. Right. Now, at this point, Jack Lemmon's talking on the on a payphone. On a payphone, which is just historically interesting. Now that they don't really. That's exist true. Anymore. No more payphones. That's right. Um, and we don't know who he's talking to exactly, but he looks very concerned about. Uh, Whatever right, we hear we on. hear a mask for room twenty three oh six. Right, so we don't know if that what that is. And he dresses the person he's calling as Honey. Honey, right? Could be a family member. We, we don't know. Wife, we don't we know. Don't a, a loved one, yeah, if you some will, kind yeah. of loved one. Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and he, yeah, he does. He seems unnerved and or aggrieved. Uh, and it's a great shot from Foley, because you get you sort of get this two faced effect where you see lemons face reflected back at us in the payphone and we also get this like sort of very stark close-up of him dimly lit but also harshly lit across the top you can see his little sweat beads yep up he there. looks exhausted and he does look terribly exhausted terribly beat down um and it's yeah and, and i think we talked about this briefly the they all have this sort of dual personality this sort of salesman version of themselves and then who they are when they're with themselves and it, it's a perfect reflection of that right here in this in in this sort of we get to see both sides of Jack Lemmon's face at the same time in right. profile. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a good shot. Yeah, great shot. D- Dave Moss enters saying bunch of bullshit, B- bunch of bullshit. I mean, uh, you know, let that be an introduction to Dave Moss. Well, because it's, it's it's a great, you know, sort of bringing the life of the character in from off stage. you know, like right. bring just brings it in. Right. <laughs> immediately. Never not aggravated <laughs> never not complaining and uh, not aggravating anyone else too like no, he's, yeah, uh, yeah no somebody else has to be Shelley involved Shelley is not interested in what he has to say he's no, got his own problems no, he clearly like, has his own problems but he's still dishing out you know his stuff nonetheless he is so that's our first minute there it is uh, and one minute right at the end of and that I, minute every time you turn that off I'm like no no I'm more I know no. <laughs> right at the end of that minute is I think the crux of that dual personality that 
you know, that we got, you have the bunch of bullshit shy, fucking bullshit. And then as soon as he's talking to the customer, boom, he turns it on. Hello, Mr. Flips Swoboda. the switch. That's right. Real sweet. That's right. Real sweet. He's a sweetheart. Who could not love this guy? Everybody <laughs> loves him. Bunch of fucking bullshit. It's, and that's, I think that's the life of the salesman. I think that, you know, we, we've, all, we've all heard about Mamet being that guy, working those sales jobs early in his Right, he wrote his this play because he worked because he was in a, a salesman, place yeah. that was like this. Right. And he observed these guys who sold, like, bogus real estate or right. whatever. And right. And wrote this play about them. Yeah. And they he saw them to be he probably, tragic people. He probably observed them turning the switch on and off. Oh, surely. Um, I think it's a trait of a good salesman. I think my mom was a travel agent. It was essentially a salesman. And she had that ability in spades. Like, she could be stark raving mad. And just when it was time to be... You know, when it was time to make her, the person opposite her, think whatever she wanted them to think about her, she would just turn on the charm. And I think it's a, um, I think it's a mammoth kind of theme that he's written in other uh, works. Like uh, I was just thinking of um, House of Games, mm-hmm. for example. Lindsay Krauss. Lindsay Krauss, and also, but in that movie, Joe Montaigne, it's Joe Montaigne uh-huh. is a con artist, and he sort of explains to her how he operates and how. Uh, a con artist does their thing, right. which is kind of the same thing as what these yeah. guys are doing. That's yeah. another theme in, in the Mammoth yeah, uh, sort of world is it's all her, about like, confidence. I'm, I'm giving you my confidence. Right. You know, I have all the confidence in the world. And yes. I'm and I'm going to give it to you. It to yep. you yeah. so that you will believe me. Yes. And go along with whatever I tell you. Ricky Jay, great in that movie. Yeah, Ricky Jay. Also, great movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just wanted to say that. Um, uh, so I think that, and that's it. Also follows that same, you know, two-faced kind of, you know, for click, sure, clicking the switch kind of thing. For sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they all do it. All of the salesmen, except for Arano, I think probably do it at some point in this movie. Whether you we see them turn it on, right? Yeah, and Arano does, does it a little bit. Does not, he? Not as not as extreme. I as feel like others. he do, he might not even have that gear. He might not. Like he might, he just, might be just be sincere all yes, the time. Yes, sincere yeah. all the time. Yes, <laughs> it's his huge failing in this world. It's why he'll never be a good salesman. That's exactly because right. he can't flip the switch. He doesn't right. know how to not be just who he is. Right. It's kind of I, I see it in uh, another Mammoth movie, in Heist, which is a heist movie. Uh, another underrated Mammoth. Yeah, I, I love think. that film. Yeah, I do too. Uh, which, which involves the a bunch of crooks pulling off this massive, you know, uh, heist of gold off of an airplane. And in, in that there's many, many, many moments where they're pretending to be other people. That's right. You know, Gene Hack. That's right. Yeah. Kind of has to talk his way through <laughs> a security gate. And yes. Has to do some other stuff. And yeah. He's, uh, he's always sort of putting on this mask of being someone who he's not. Uh, and they all, all the characters in that movie yeah. do it. They yeah. Yeah. Are able to. Yeah morph themselves and pretend to be other people right yeah it's definitely a theme in his work he there all the plays i can think of and and the movies they all have a character or or several that sort of flip the switch and do be. something other than what they yeah what they seem the spanish prisoner is another great oh yeah film. that's, another, that's great a, yeah, another con job kind of not thing. all yeah. con all the time with this guy <laughs> he's gonna write about a con uh but it's great it's it's great so uh so in before Dave Moss flips the switch and says, <laughs> what does he say? Oh, hello, Mrs. Swoboda. Hello, Mrs. Swoboda. Uh, we see Shelley, the machine Levine, the Jack Lemmon character, make another phone call. He calls. This time we know he's calling a doctor. So right. we, we're starting to understand there's, you know, there's a medical issue. Somebody in his life is 
is in need of help from him and it creates this sort of sense of desperation. And there's and there's clearly this um, tension with the doctor. Uh, is this the scene? I can't remember. I wasn't really paying attention we, when we were we're, watching. We're it. watching a minute at a time. <laughs> but is this, the, is this the part where he's... No, it's not. Okay. No, that comes later. That comes later. I know what you're going to you know say. Yeah, saying, yeah. I do, okay. yeah. Uh, but he's, he's very... Discon- there's something that happens during this phone call with the doctor that makes him unhappy. That's, yes. that's troubling. It is contentious. And yeah. I think it's because he's... He knows what it's going to take and he doesn't have it, right? So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't catch the doctor's name. Did you catch the doctor's name? Uh, no. Yeah. Bummer. I guess we could go back, couldn't we? It's all in the same minute. <laughs> okay. Um, it's not critical to the understanding of the film. No, it really isn't. Uh, you talked a little bit about how s- sort of starkly, redly lit the phone booths were and how, how that sort of... Uh, Right. Yeah. One of the first Unique things you to see, the scene. yeah, is the is Shelley's fingers putting a quarter into the phone booth, and the and the the background of the phone booth is this bright red color, and it's lit very brightly. So it, it just has this very, it's a very prime primitive primal color, this bright red behind the phone, and then it's offset by sort of a blue lighting outside of the phone booth. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I we talked a little bit about. Matt and I did earlier about how this maybe was a something that was going on during this time when in film and in theater of using these prim these prime colors, uh, primary colors to say something about the emotional life of the character. Right. And yeah. The yeah. Overall look of the of the production. Yeah, I think we did decide it was it was of the era to some extent, but in this movie used very well. I think the the sort of blues and grays that run throughout this movie and the costumes and in the walls of the office. And it just creates this sort of grayed out, miserable existence. You know, there is no color. It's only when they go to the chinks, quoting the movie, uh, that, you know, there is any, there's any legitimate color at all in the film, I think, yeah, if I'm remembering true. that correctly. Yeah. Um, and even the leads are colorful. You know, the, the, the old leads are blue. Oh, that's true. That's the, true. I never thought about that. The cards are, are gold. Gold, yeah, exactly. Are actually are, pink. Yes. Or red, like a light red, kind of a pinkish color. Yeah, they are Sadly. pinkish. Yeah, which I, th- I always thought was an odd choice, but I thought maybe the leads actually looked like that. I didn't really... Maybe they did. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, you know, again, it gets, it's again, it's the blue and red thing there, though the light blue leads and the light uh-huh, red leads, exactly. kind of contrasting here. The red in the phone. We should actually keep looking outside. for that because I don't. I've never looked at the movie with with the sense of the aesthetic colors, red and blue versus each other. That's an is it's interesting. I it is. Yeah, yeah. And the other interesting thing about it is, if you put red and blue together, you get purple. You do get purple. And when you watch the credits, look at Matisse over here. <laughs> when you watch the credits the color that kind of comes up behind all the titles that come up is purple it's, it is I'm not wrong look we might have stumbled on something in our very first minute i i've watched and considered this movie so often but i've, I've never actually considered a blue red contrast throughout and i think it's there yeah i think isn't baldwin's tie starkly red and i we should just we'll keep looking look. for that yeah, yeah, yeah. to keep that in mind um so and you also mentioned very quickly that with what there's a there's a distinct shot of Lemon putting his quarter in the phone and we were talking about how how that sort of there's money is leaving the money is going away from right. him he's gas his money is a thing getting rid of that money the um 
you know, a fool is money or soon parted or whatever. And I was trying to think if there's any other moment because a lot of this movie is about money. Well, he's trying to get people's money, but do we ever see money ever again in the whole thing? I remember vaguely, and I I haven't seen the movie in in a couple of weeks. (laughs) For me, that's a long time. (laughs) But it doesn't, he tries to, we're getting ahead, but he tries to pay Williamson off in a moment, I think. And he's got very little on him. Like it's, I remember when he takes out his wallet, it's like everything but moths fly out of it. Like it's, it's like very. But he also says, I left it in my other pants. Oh, does he? Remember he says, I I left my wallet. Oh, maybe, okay, maybe, maybe that's it. He says, yeah. yeah. And he's staying in a room. He doesn't even have a house anymore. Yeah, I don't know what that means, my room. Yeah. But he does, yeah, I guess he does pull a little bit of money out later. But we don't see money. No, that's true. Not in the movie. No, it's just, it it really is just the presence of of needing it. Right. That sort of uh, hovers over all of them. And trying to get it from other people. Trying to, certainly trying to get it, right. yeah. By any means necessary. Exactly. Even the con, which we see, there's a confidence game played out right in front of us in this movie, and it's brilliant. Yeah. It's utterly brilliant. Um, not, spoiler alert. Ah, <laughs> come on. That, that. Yeah, I guess so, I, I guess. guess. But, yeah. But anyway. Um, then the other thing, we are talking about the colors, then the, the red and the blue and stuff, and the primary colors. You know, we... I said it reminds me of another movie from this era, which was the uh, Dick Tracy film with Warren Beatty that was directed by Warren Beatty. Al Pacino. Star, yeah, also starred Al Pacino. Yeah. And also starred Madonna, who was directed by James Foley in her Papa, Papa Don't, Don't Preach, Preach video, video starring Danny Aiello. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd never known until today that James Foley directed that. No, yeah, I didn't either. I'll have to go back and watch that now. I don't think you it, do. No? <laughs> yeah, I think but you're good. Just to see if it, it I think you're probably going to be okay. I'm sure I would be, but just to see. You want to see if there's, there's Foley esque moments yeah, if in there? Yeah, something we can pull out and go. Oh, that's such a James Foley thing. I know? mean, I I had a huge crush on Madonna, so I watched that video ad nauseum. I and I remember it was intriguing. It was certainly for the for the style of video that we were seeing. The the storytelling was sadly lacking, and I remember <laughs> at least in that you know that video. There was, it was a it was like a very short film. It was you know you right. It, had, it you, did have a story. It did have a story and, and a very distinct feel thing. to it. Right. And yeah, only thing I remember about it was, and I don't remember how I remember finding out about this. But there was a moment in that thing where she's dancing around. She wore like the like a black outfit when she was just sort of dancing around in this empty Boy, did room she? or whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh sure. But there was a moment in there where she like uh, she's dancing along and then she stops and like bends over forward and then throws her head back uh-huh. suddenly. Yeah. And I guess this must have been in the internet wait, 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 era wait, years slower. later. Go slower. Why? <laughs> but if you go like frame by frame, uh-huh. you see that she kind of like pops out of that halter top at the end when she throws her really? head back. Really? You can't really see anything. You because it's, perv. I know, right? <laughs> you can't really see anything at all. Um, no, I, are like you kidding me? I'm sure I paused that video... In, in seven second increments all the time. <laughs> and so uh, I don't even know where I learned about that. But it's, I, uh, that's a but you did. You didn't wait. Did you ever do that? What did you pause the? Did you watch it? Well, once I tried to see her pop like, yeah, out of it. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to do it, but you really happens, couldn't see anything. No, I, I don't think because back in those days, again, it was we're dealing with like you know it wasn't high death or anything like that. It's I remember of, speaking of Madonna and her titties and. Yeah. Just having an insane crush on her and tying it into the Dick Tracy. I remember she was incredible in that movie. She looked incredible in that movie. And I remember seeing a trailer for it. And there, she has this like see-through lacy top on. And uh-huh. it's just like everything is just looking 
so delicious. <laughs> we are so far off topic. So, no, no, <laughs> we are on topic, brother. That's how this works. Um, I, there's no other topic I want to be talking about right now. But I, but I remember you could see nipple, uh-huh. and just like for whatever reason, that was like there was some kind of heaven in there. Yeah, if you yeah. could just get to it. That would all. That would be all you ever needed. And I think she was banging Warren Beatty during. That oh, time, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I think they're but they're both sort of infamously banging their co-stars. Well, she, there, there whoever was a moment that in her, she had a movie like a documentary about her tour or something. Uh huh. Truth or dare? Yeah. Some for some reason I've seen it, and I yeah, remember yeah. Warren Beatty like shows for up some reason backstage. I think we know why you saw it. <laughs> I know why I saw it. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. Shows up yeah. Backstage, right? To greet yes. Her yes. Yeah, so. Kevin Costner also famously in that documentary when <laughs> he went backstage. He was big at the time, huge. Yeah. And uh, but there there was definitely an awkwardness between them. And she and Madonna goes, "So what'd you think?" And Kevin Costner goes, "It was really neat." <laughs> and Madonna's like, "It was neat." Like she can't even believe that he said it. And I. I think he was just in earnest saying like, no, I thought that was neato. Right. <laughs> like, I think that's Kevin Costner. I think that's the level he works on. Right. But she was clearly insulted. <laughs> and I just, I remember well, that. It's yeah. hard not to insult Madonna. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. James Foley. So anyway, we're talking about the color thing. And that's then the right. other production that was reminded me of was the, um, it was a revival on Broadway of um, Guys and Dolls starring Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. Right, uh, where they did the starring same in a revival on Broadway. Colors, these primary colors, colorful costumes, where yeah. each character sort of had collars and costumes. Yeah, you're really you're you're very close. Of go ahead, Jersey. <laughs> uh, very, all, they all the colors, uh, all the characters had this one color costume that they paraded around in, so and other c words. Yeah, so every character was sort of um, associated with a color. Yeah. And you were telling me about the Dick Tracy movie. The Dick Tracy, yeah. That was every, I think, Warren Beatty dictated that every yellow had to be the same yellow. So if it was the moon or a car or his or his overcoat or trench coat or his hat, it all had to be the same yellow in an effort to make it look like it had been penned, you know, by the same pen in a, in a comic. Uh, and I think it worked to great effect. It was, I thought it was really, really well done. It's, and a, it's a great looking movie. It's yeah. not the best movie ever made, but it really looks good. Yeah. And it's another great Pacino role, in my opinion. I, I will be the Pacino apologist forever and always. He's my favorite actor of all time. I'm, I'm forever indebted to him as well. And, and uh, I thought he was great. I thought oh he was God. great. That, I mean, that's he's he is chewing. <laughs> no, for sure. But that's maybe he. That's why you get Pacino in, in that era yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I, right on the heels, it was Scent of the Woman, or right on, he Scent of the Woman, Scent of a Woman, and then this came right after. Yeah, they must have been the same year because he was nominated for both this film That's right. as Best Supporting Actor and Scent of a Woman. And then right Best into actor. Glengarry after that, the year after that, right? Well, I think Scent of a Woman and Glengarry were the same year because of the right, Oscar but Dick Tracy was the year before, right? And then, so, but I, I, yeah, I guess that's true. We don't know which don't, one came but, first. Yeah, no, I don't, but. But my gut tells me it was Glengarry and then Tracy. Yeah. 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 Don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But boy, we should know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's for some expert on Scent of a Woman to know. But watch the one minute Scent of a Woman podcast. <laughs> Coming you, right after this one. <laughs> you'll know what order he did the films in. Okay, so what else did we see here? We'll count who was. Who was. There's one. 
<laughs> that one didn't count. That was just me. I know you were fooled for a minute. There. I, okay, yeah. No, I did. I turned around and I looked for Pacino. Okay, so what else about this scene? Well, the one thing is it, it really does sort of get you instantly into the movie. Incredibly it, engaging. It is. You, first you're, minute you're drawn of drawn in yeah. and you're trying to figure out what is going on? What, what is, is with this on? guy on the phone? Yeah, why do we even care that there's a hospital and a doctor? And right. A, yeah. It's, kind, it's interesting that they're doing this sort of phone exposition thing it's very reminiscent of sort of classic realistic theater like Ibsen and things like that for sure dramas for sure you know the a character who usually was a minor character like a, a servant or somebody would come on stage and the phone would ring and the maid would go over and pick up the phone hello you right, know, right, right 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 go through this phone call where you'd learn all the exposition about all the other characters oh no Mrs. Smith's not here yeah 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 you know she's visiting Mr. So and so you'd learn who all the characters are and what's been going on in the house and, yes you know, what the, <laughs> yes what the issues are and stuff it's, it's handled much better here it's not as the exposition is not obvious right it's not uh, you know, banging you over the head with a bunch of facts and stuff yeah. that someone wouldn't naturally say over the phone. What we agreed about this scene, which is so good, is that Mamet doesn't give you sort of a clue to go on. You know, he the first line in the movie is is Shelley saying twenty three oh six. He doesn't say right. May I? Hello, is this the hospital? The hospital. Yeah, say, yeah. Hello. Which other writers would do? You right. know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you'd hear the person on the other end go General Hospital, right? Or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so we only hear the one side of the conversation, and he does not water it down or, or no. you know compromise no. to give you too many facts about what that's his story that's his here. whole thing is always um tell tell the audience without telling them right. without, you know so they don't know it we, and, they and just but suspense I think that's the, the definition of suspense, it's, it's suspense and we also subconsciously start to form what may be you know we 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 start to well what could that be what, what could he be talking about uh, apartment hospital whatever and that that just gets you engaged. Exactly. It's, yeah, you it's a that. way more engaging way to, to create drama. Yeah, and whether you know you do that or not when you're watching a movie, it happens subconsciously automatically. If, automatically if the writer allows you to. If somebody goes to General Hospital or whatever on the other end, you don't have to do it. You're right. not engaged. It's right. just done for you and it's not as fun. And that's what Mammoth will bring you every time. There's the constant need to decipher what is actually happening in a Mammoth script. And I think that's what I love so much about it. Um, you have to work for it. You know, it's not spoon fed. That's right. No, yeah. absolutely not. And let me say, Lemon's phone work, since you brought it up, is new heart esque. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> the you really do get a sense of the the interruptions on the other end and what he's trying to get across, but he can't because they're talking over each other a little. It's so right. he's so good. Yeah, he's yeah. so he's good. really in the moment, and uh, he makes a little noise. We talked about it, and he makes a little clearing of his throat in the first couple seconds of the movie. Right. He's waiting for, he's, he's on, he says 2306. And then while and he's, he's on, waiting while he's to on hold to the room, that's right. He sits there and he has a, a perfectly natural <laughs> sniffle and like a little sniffle cough, and like little, throat yeah, thing little, that he does. Yeah. A little glottal noise and a little swallow. And yeah. And it's just perfect. It just puts you in the moment. It's just so natural and real that, uh, you know, there's no artifice about it. It's he's, just, he's so great. And it's, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it unless you know it was like this where we're sitting. Unless we're watching a minute at a time, yeah. Break down every minute. You might notice it, but you might not ha be able to spend some time thinking about it. Like I'm pretty sure I noticed that often, but when did I ever get to stop and talk about it? How right. brilliant I thought it was, you right. know? Because I do. I think it's brilliant, and I think this whole performance, again ignored by the Academy, is full of 
amazing moments like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he has a little lip quiver in a moment where at the end of the film, if you know, when he's dealing with Williamson is just it's heartbreaking. And it's two seconds of film where he's not saying anything and (laughs) it breaks your heart. He's just so good. I just love him in this movie. They're all good. They're all good. Who I mean, if you had to pick, is he your favorite in this? He is. Does he deliver the finest performance? He probably does. It's certainly the most nuanced. Well, I mean, he is the, you know, he's the protagonist. Is he, is so he the like, hero? Yeah, so you're kind of like following him the most, I think, more than anybody. But yeah. But nonetheless, I do, I, I'm drawn. I could see how other people could pick Roma, you know. And be sure. Like, you know, because he's. I did for, for a long time. Yeah, because he's a, such a flashy character and I such, think so much fun. In the same way you start liking Lennon and move into McCartney as you get older, <laughs> I, I started liking Roma and moved into my Shelley the Machine Levine later in life. Is that right? I think that's a fine correlation, oh, if I do say so myself. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's an interesting It's metaphor. a little more nuanced, you know, you know, but not as... It seems corny and quirky when you're young, but boy, it's so good. Interesting. It's so good. Dad, don't say interesting like you don't agree with me. Just say you don't agree with me and tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't... I don't I'm not saying I, I, I like I like where you're going with that, but I'm not a McCartney. Like I never made that transition. You never moved into McCartney. McCartney, really? No. I mean, I like a lot of his stuff, but. Uh, but you're still a Lennon guy. Yeah, if you I had to pick I would one, have to stay really more on the Lennon side, because, only because of things like, you know, Penny Lane and Oblada Oblada and things like that. Just uh-huh. kind of like, they, I, I do find them a little cloying. And really? Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I I guess I I guess I can kind of understand that, but. There's like a, I don't know, the way he sort of consistently matched these upbeat, poppy melodies with these sad, odd lyrics and they, you know, and like Eleanor Rigby. And I'm, are you well, kidding I, me? I, I mean, Eleanor I, I know, but I'm great. saying like there's a there's a bunch of those examples of McCartney being like, it's just a little more nuanced than I think John was, at least melodically, certainly melodically. You know, lyrically, we could talk about that all day and I'd be fine deferring, but... Well, Lennon also has, you know, he was, he, he, McCartney. Less melodic talent. Well, I, would, I was going to say McCartney kind of, he respected the, I don't want to say rules, but sort of the best, you know, practices of writing, of songwriting. Yeah. Whereas Lennon kind of just wanted to throw all that out the window. Right. And just, you know, do drugs. But there's a, there's a good stuff, reason you know why I mean? some so, of those rules are in place. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And, Le- yeah. and McCartney, while also it was an experimenter, was much more apt to fall in line with yes. know, traditional songwriting B- to a more pleasing end. Yeah. Usually, I think. Yeah, and that's that's why. Those but again, there. don't get me wrong. Lennon was my guy all through my twenties. You know, I I thought he was clearly far and away the best. And I'm just, you know, as we change and get older, I feel like Roma, <laughs> Ricky Roma, uh, John Lennon, right. and then. Uh, you got Shelley and is your McCartney. As we get older, you start to appreciate the more nuanced things, I think. I like that. Yeah. But you remain a Shelley guy, uh-huh. but also a Lennon guy. Yeah. yeah I think Weird. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're, they're not Beatles. We sh- I should stop talking about that all right now. Because I'm, like, I'm like, what is Dave? Who's Dave Moss? Dave oh, Moss Ringo? Well, we're going to run out of Beatles <laughs> before we get through. We could take. Well, yeah, it's true. It's true. But we, you know, we got Pete Best. We could go to Pete Best. <laughs> we could go to that producer guy. Who's producer pants? What's his name? Oh, uh, sir. Um, yeah, that, that guy. guy. He was knighted. Yeah, I can't sir producer pants. Yeah. <laughs> George Martin. Sir George, George Martin. Martin. There yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, maybe the Dave Foley of the Beatles, the Jim James Foley of the James Beatles. Foley. Yeah. Yes. Dave um, Foley. Dave I hate, Foley. I hate him. You he's hate horrible. Dave Foley? Oh my God. I just misspoke. Oh, no, I he's love the Dave Foley. Guy. Yeah, he's oh, the, the like new him. kid. The yeah, kids, like, kids see, in thought, the hall. I thought Dave Foley Dave wasn't Foley. anybody. I thought that was just like. Oh, you. I didn't think he was anybody. I thought it was just a thing. But no, Dave, Dave Foley, Foley is a, a guy. kid in the hall. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Uh, he's no, so he's good. Great. Yeah. yeah, no, he's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Dave. Sorry. If you're listening. I love you. I didn't mean that. You know he's listening. And any other Dave Foley. He's any other Dave Foley that may be listening. They're nobody. But the real Dave Foley is all Dave Foley to me. The thoughts of Bill Weingartner do not necessarily uh, <laughs> reflect the thoughts of this podcast. Uh, I love all day Foley's. I always have yeah, and I always will. <laughs> yeah, wow. you, you bring me a Foley. I don't even care what the first name is. Really? I'm on board. Is that right? Yeah. So James, you're good. Think of a bad Foley. You can't do it. Mm, I can't. That's right. You can't. Listeners, write in with a with a foley that you don't like. I mean, I like foley artists, you know, who do like yeah, the, right. You don't not like them, right? Stuff. They yeah, do love that. clunkety clunks and yeah, slappity slaps. Yeah, I, I would love to if I had any talent, go into foley, doing foley work and like you know stepping on broccoli for a living and stuff like that. That would have been really fun. And that's walking through the forest. Yeah. See, like I walking, know my foley work. Yeah, walking through the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bones breaking is like celery or whatever. You know, celery. I don't know if that's right, but come you know on. You what? just said you would have been a Foley guy. Well, I got to believe what you're saying about celery. I don't know about All right. it. I'm no, fair, just saying fair enough. If I, I, I've heard these tricks and things before that they what they use, but I don't know for certain that that's bones breaking. But something, carrots, yeah, celery, celery something, something like that. Yeah, yeah sure, like sure, sure, sure. Because it has like a squishy kind of sound. Yeah, like, yeah, as well yeah. As being is it walking? What's walking through the snow is a thing too. Maybe oh, yeah. that's what's the broccoli, that? or maybe is that's that like the Cheerios or something. Oh you know, yeah, that's uh, see, you do have a talent for this. <laughs> I say it's never too late. Let's get into some foley work. Okay. All right. Um, well, well, so within the next couple podcasts, Bill's going to put together a couple of foley things. You guys can judge them. Write us in. Tell us what you think. Okay. You want to just start with an easy one? No. Like a guy going upstairs or something? No, you don't want to do this at all? I don't have any tools or anything. I, I think my now we're starting to see why you never uh, lived out your dream of becoming a Foley artist. I know. I'm, I'm scared of it. No, guys, I can't, I can't do, do it. it. I can't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's why I've never lived out my dream of doing anything. Come on. That's true. I don't even think I'm good right now on this podcast. Oh no, you're very good. You think? Yeah, you're very good, and you're very. You and I'm were not fishing for a compliment. You, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't bite on those uh, <laughs> casts. I don't. I don't ever bite on those. I just say what I think, and I think you're. Uh, yeah. You're doing okay. I think you're great. All right. I'll work what are you on talking the, about? The foley stuff. The, you're just unsure of the format. I think the one minute uh, per movie scares my friends a little bit, but I think it's great. I'm entertained. I mean, certainly, we're gonna get hundreds of. Well, I hope you are. This thing, you know, so yeah, at least a hundred, right? And I think have we exhausted this minute? I mean, I th- I think I've said everything about this minute. I want to say, Bill, you, I anything so. else I about this minute? I can't wait to see the next minute. I know the sure. next minute is. It's going to be riveting. I can tell you that. It's just I can't. Yeah, I can't wait because because Dave Moss was about to say something. He was about to really uh, lay into a a Shelley who could care less about something. And I yeah I can't wait to see I see what yeah well anytime Dave Moss starts to go off it's always a lot of fun so (laughs) it is we got that to look forward to all right so that's coming up next time well thanks for listening thanks for listening guys there's somebody yes somebody's gonna be listening Dave Foley thank you thanks Dave (laughs) loves ya all right bye bye.